Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And he swings, hits it high and deep and gone. Still going back. Yeah! Out of here. Welcome to the big leagues. Deep to center field. And it is gone. Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive. Welcome back to the call up and on today's Friday episode, we have part two, which is the top five prospects in the Chicago Cubs system. Jack McMullen, I'm Arm Layton. Jack, I did the first five by myself yesterday, and uh, that means that it's just audio version. So for those listening to the podcast, status quo, same thing. But what we're learning from our audience dev people is that YouTube is a massive search engine, right? And so I know a lot of people might be watching us on YouTube right now and say, well, where's the first five? Where's the prospects 10 through six? That is on the call up audio, which you can find the podcast on any platform. Uh, it's literally the call up, as you can see it in the think top right is where the graphic will be. Our guy, Ben Bellotti kills it with that. But I uh, just wanted to give a little note to those who may be watching just video wise that part one uh, is out on audio form, but we're going to fly through those guys real quick to rehash for those who you know may have already forgotten uh, from yesterday uh, who the top 10 prospects were. We also mentioned some honorable mentions who I want to fly through uh, Matt Mervis, can't talk about anybody else right now in the Cubs system. He has been one of the best hitters in the minor leagues, period. Uh, Braylon Marquez, a bunch of other guys. I realize, Jack, I haven't even given you a chance to speak yet. So, Jack, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Uh, you went rogue on me yesterday. You went 10 through 6 Han Solo. So, I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you extended the invite my way for the uh, top five. Yeah, and I just monologued for like a minute because I was so in the zone and then realized Jack has not spoken yet. So All good, man. How, uh, how was the uh, quadruple A game yesterday? The quadruple A game was fascinating. I was just working around the diamond. I mean, how about this for Gwinnett? A, pretty much every position player is a waiver claim for them. I saw Brad Brock come out of the bullpen yesterday, um, but catching for the Gwinnett Stripers, which is the triple A for the Braves, Chadwick Trump. 
Mike Ford is the first baseman. Kramer Robertson at second base. Oh. Ryan Goins is the shortstop. Joe Dunand at third. Um, you've got Preston Tucker. I was, say, I was waiting for Preston Tucker. That's Mr. Quadruple A. Yeah, you got Preston Tucker in left. How about another quadruple A guy? You got Delino DeShields Jr. in center. And then you've got uh, Alex Dickerson in right. I mean, that, that is as quadruple A a lineup can possibly get. That's a tri- that's a championship triple A lineup. It right should there, be. Though. It that, should be. They, they should. They should be a team to beat out there. But uh, no, we're going to talk a lot about you know just the top end prospects today. But I want to rehash it. I, I interrupted myself there because I realized I am being a horrible host. I'm just so excited to talk top five. So Matt Mervis, one of the best hitters in the minor leagues. Braylon Marquez is a guy that I'm sure you love, Jack. Any lefty pitcher, I assume you like. But he's not finesse. He's straight VLO. He's up to 102 with the nasty slider. We haven't seen him pitch yet this year due to injuries and, and bad bouts with COVID. So wishing Marquez, uh, you know, a quick return to the field. Miguel Amaya, another guy that would have probably been in the top 10 had he been playing, catching prospect, just dealing with elbow reconstruction. So he's out. We also have Bryce Ball, Nelson Velasquez, Ed Howard, and Kevin Made and Alexander Canario, all honorable mentions. But real quick before we hop into the top five, a guy that you kind of alerted uh, me to, and I did a little bit of an extra dive into him, and he he made it in at number ten is Johandrick Pinyago. Uh, he's pretty awesome, Jack. Uh, I, I talked about him at length in in the last episode, but really impressive bat to ball skills for a guy who swings out of his freaking shoes from time to time, and uh, a really unique profile and a dude that just turned twenty years old and is hitting pretty well in high A. Uh, what kind of clued you into Pinyago? Because that was a specific name that you. Uh, you told me, hey, take, take a little bit of an extra look at this guy when you do your dive. Yeah, well, this is a name that we're all going to have to learn how to say too, right? Pinango. You you originally left out the second N in Pinango and oh, all your Pinango. write-ups, so I had to go through and add all the second Ns. So uh, that oh. was that. I know, man. Um, but listen, you I was so focused on the Enya pronunciation, you know. Yeah. And for those who may not be adept to Spanish, that's a little squiggly line, the little mustache above the N. I understand. Pinango. So okay. I, I was initially um, I, I initially gravitated towards him because his name is Yo Hendrick Pinyango. And that's a su- that's a super cool name. Um, yes. But he also like like you mentioned in the first sentence of the write up, he's a free swinger that somehow makes contact with a lot of pitches. I find that so fascinating. And like you see that big swing from he from him, you see the swing that is conducive to power. And then all of a sudden, like he's not striking out 35% of the time. So this is a bat that is intriguing and he feels like a back end of the top 10 type bat. And with helium potential too. I mean, 20, just turned 20 years old. When I say a young 20, I mean like he just turned 20 and uh, there's a lot of projection there. We've seen some 110s, 111, 112 mile per hour exit velos. Uh, Real quick, DJ hers. uh, It was really tough for me to to peg DJ hers versus uh, Jordan Wicks. And I'm curious what you think of this rationale for me. I mean, DJ Hurst, ton of reliever risk, understandably so, right? I mean, this guy's walked about about 14% of batters through his minor league career. He's a good athlete. Fastball is good. Changeup is phenomenal. Funky delivery that allows the fastball to play up to plus. But major command issues, or I, I, major might be a little hyperbolic, but but very large command issues that you know I, I think ultimately keep him 
back from somebody like Jordan Wicks who got the edge over him just because Wicks has a feel for, for at least two average breaking balls as well uh, and has a little bit more pitch ability. What did you think of that, uh, of me ultimately going with Wicks over Hurts? I'm curious what your what your take is. Well, I, I think it's fair to say major command issues if he's got a 14% walk rate. It, that's major. That's not, you know, somewhat of a command issue. Like those are major command issues if he's walking 14% at hitters. Um, I think DJ Hurts has a way higher ceiling than yes, Wicks. Yes, absolutely. But totally. I think the floor and ceiling for Wicks are the same. Uh, yeah. And the floor is so much higher than DJ Hurts' floor. Because DJ Hurts' floor is a guy that doesn't make Major League Baseball. Yeah. Jordan Wicks is a five as the floor, and he's a four as the ceiling. Um, yeah. So I, I like the proximity of Wicks yep. as opposed to hers. I also like um, the much lower risk of Wicks as opposed to hers. But if you're going to dream on one of them, it's DJ hers. A hundred percent. I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, if you're looking to, to get your uh, lottery ticket and, and cash in for a million bucks, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent taking hers, but you know, there, there's, there's a value to having almost a very high probability big league starter. And uh, that that's really what puts Wicks over the top. And that's what makes the prospecting side of things so hard is because I'm supposed to rank a guy who could be way better than the other guy, but also could be way worse than the other guy. And I got to stack those guys up against each other. It's, it's a joke. And then people are like, why'd you have him ahead of him? He could be way better. It, it's tough, but you have to look at it through the lens of if I'm a GM, who do I want? I think some, a lot of teams may take hers, but if I'm in a neutral position and I just need some starting pitching, which the Cubs do, I, I would probably rather have Wicks at this juncture. And that's why they made that selection in the draft last year. Yeah. And if you're an organization that is, you know, more comfortable with your starting pitching depth, you're going to take hers because of what he could become. But exactly. like you mentioned, the Cubs are in probably one of the worst situations in terms of pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. And if you're in that situation, you just need bodies and you need bodies bad. And I'd say Wicks is probably the better move. That's why I love the pick for them. I don't even think they were expecting Wicks to fall to them. And, and that was a great snag, I believe, at 21st overall. Uh, James Triantos is sandwiched between uh, those those two lefties. Uh, I, I like Triantos a lot. I, I see Cubs fans very hyped on him. What, what really keeps him out, outside of, I would say, where most others rank him, I think we've seen him as high as, you know, in the top five. Most would probably have him higher than we do. It's just limited impact, Jack. I mean, I, I don't really see any any chance that this guy hits for more than 15 homers at, at third base. You, know, you need to see a little bit more than that. It, it's it's an elite hit tool potential here and, and a really impressive ability to hit at 19 years old in, in full season ball. Uh, second round pick in 2021. I, I, I just for me, again, this is a dude that's probably going to be a, a big league at the worst kind of bench bat utility guy if he can move around. But I don't know if I see enough impact as a third baseman uh, for him to really project as a top end guy. No, I'm with you. Um, you know, we'll see how his body transforms because again, he's 19 years old. He's got a lot of time to fill out and a lot of time to spend in the weight room. So if the possibility of 15, but more likely eight to 12 uh, turns into the possibility of 20 for Triantos, then he starts to move up. Yeah. But for what he is right now, he looks like a 300 hitter with a 310 slugging. Exactly. And that was my concern too, Jack is like, this isn't Kevin Alcantara. This is, you know, he's six, one, like 200. So, you know, I don't know how much, how much it, it could, he could have an ability to, to, to add a lot more strength. I, I don't know what his, you know, body composition is at this yeah. point, but it's not that, that super projectable frame. You look at Kevin Alcantara and you're like, this guy could put on 30 pounds of muscle. 
uh, yes. and, and you wouldn't blink. And uh, that's a guy that I think we had a little bit lower to, and I'm very interested to get your thoughts on this because ultimately I went into this when I did my d- dive back in, I thought I'd have Alcantara a little bit higher. Uh, I talked to some Cubs guys that, you know, I thought I, I really appreciated uh, their input on it as well, because, you know, and I'll, I'll highlight some of the things that they said in a second here when I pull it up, but, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, be honest with me. Do you think I was a little bit too harsh on Alcantara? And this is Brian Smith from Cubs Prospects. Awesome guy. Uh, highly encourage any Cubs fans that somehow know about this podcast and not and not him, which is almost yeah. impossible uh, to, to check that out. But, um, you know, he, he ultimately was a little bit more concerned about Casey, even though he likes him. For me, what really stood out with Alcantara was you know, he's doing great. He looks really good. He has a ton of upside. But Casey's doing similar-ish things at the high A level. I mean, obviously not producing at the same clip, but I think if you put Alcantara in high A, I think he'd be struggling to survive. Casey, same age, similar profile, is surviving in high A. It's been a bit of an up and down, but I don't know if Alcantara would be doing the same things. And I think the fact that we're seeing the Cubs put Casey in high A and Alcantara in low A is kind of a testament to the, the confidence that they have in Casey's, you know, I would say advanced feel at the plate, uh, but we've seen him kind of undermine that at times. Uh, but just to, to focus on Alcantara real quick, $1 million guy came over uh, in the Anthony Rizzo trade, 6'6", six, yeah. six, 200 pounds, super, super powerful. Swing gets long, obviously, as you'd expect for a 6'6 six, six guy, but he's done a lot better at getting shorter and more direct to the ball. He could be a superstar. But he also could another guy, wide range of outcomes. And uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see where he ends up. But a name I'm watching that could quickly fly up through the ranks. 100%. And, you know, you mentioned some of the flaws that Alcantara could run into with that longer swing, but he's still striking out less than 30% of the time at the moment. It's it's a 27% K rate right now, which is pretty good. And if Alcantara keeps that, and if he progresses at a a normal pace and he keeps a 27% K rate, like, there is an opportunity for Alcantara to be really, really good. 52 games, nine homers so far and a 27% K rate. That's like on pace with, you know, what I'm watching every day with O'Neill Cruz. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they are uh, identical baseball players, but tall guys um, that have some juice and swing and miss a little bit less than I think a lot of people would expect them to. So we'll see what happens with uh, Alcantara as he progresses to the upper levels, but we've only seen him at the complex and in low A. Exactly. And he's been great in, in those two areas. My, my question there is, is as you get to high A, especially, and, and you saw it in Fort Wayne last year, when you get to high A, high spin fastballs really start to take over. And then in yeah. double A, it's guys commanding high spin fastballs a little bit better. I am concerned with the high VLO uh, and how Alcantara will be able to catch up to that and handle that. And that's where I've been impressed with Owen Casey. And, you know, I know you could look at like the WRC plus of Owen Casey, who's our number five prospect as we get into the top five here. And Casey so far this season, 239, 313, 392 slash line. That's a 98 WRC plus. So, you know, that's not elite uh, by any means, but he's 19 years old as a very raw prospect who, you know, was drafted in 2020, obviously didn't get to play. So last year was his, his really his first taste of it and only played about 54 games. And it looks really good at the complex and, you know, held his own in low A, has a good feel for the strike zone has added those six home runs already. I just think to see what he is doing, the way he is able to battle and kind of just just compete uh, as a very raw prospect in high A has been pretty impressive to me. And, and the K rate at 29% for a dude that's 6'4", you know, and, and also very long in his own regard, 
Uh, I, I've been very impressed with Casey given, you know, the ups and downs of the season overall. I think he's been pretty, pretty darn good. You know, I'm just impressed by how pure of a hitter he is. Yeah. And, and I saw it a little bit last year, watching a ton of video and then I've, I've watched a couple of Owen Casey games so far this year. And um, I'm just really impressed by like the advanced feel for him. And yeah, like there's a little bit of swing and miss. You said the strikeout rate hovering around 30%, but it, it's not too bad. And for it's a guy that, that big and that young, I mean, he looks like the guy that's 260 to 265 with 25 homers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll no, and, and I think he's got more in there. I mean, we've seen 111 mile per hour exit velos from him this year. Uh, I mean, the zone contact too is, is better than I think a lot of people would have expected and a lot better than, than uh, Alcantara. He's at about 82, 83% zone contact, which, you know, w- would be right about around average or, or better, maybe slightly better than average. And that, that's pretty impressive from a guy, like I said, with his profile. So I, I think he's going to hit the ground running, uh, you know, in the second half. I think this is a guy that's feeling it out, getting better, but he has a good feel for the strike zone is starting to, to get back to that. He was expanding a little bit in the early going now getting back to that. And, the power is there. We know that he uses the whole field. Well, you talk about being a pure hitter goes the other way really well, but starting to get better at, at, at turning and going pull side on pitches as well. I think Casey could be a 30 to 35 home run guy. And, and I like, I like his upside, but you know, I could see a Kevin Alcantara, you know, passing him with the athleticism, but for now I, I like Casey's bat a little bit more. What is so 30 to 35 is obviously you're dreaming on Owen Casey. What, what's the 50th percentile outcome for him? Yeah, I think it's like a, a a 260 hitter who who walks at a pretty decent clip, you know, gets on base at like a 350 clip and hits 20 to 25. Yeah. I'm with you. That's, that's a solid player. It is. I'm <laughs> totally that. here for that. And can play like a fine corner outfield, not good right now, but it'll improve. Yeah, I, it'll improve. Again, this is a dude that really did not play that much high-end competition in high school. He's a Canadian guy and uh, you know, What's wrong came with in Canadian ex- baseball though. Uh, it's, it, I don't know if it's always as competitive. I, no, would you, you say shit it is? on our brothers up North? Come on a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> but you know, it, it's just, he, like a lot of the, uh, you know, talk around him was how raw is this guy coming in? And honestly, I've been floored at how you know, not raw he is. Yeah. Yeah. Not raw. How cooked he is relatively <laughs> speaking. He's, he's really well done. He's, he's, he's pretty well done. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, uh, realistically it's, it, he's kind of like, you know, the, the sushi platter you get where they just kind of flame it for like half a second. It, it cooks it like marginally the, the yeah. raw, the raw. I think you're, or, I think you're eating at fancier places than I am, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like my, the special nights out in Miami uh, on a special occasion when, when mom helps me out and takes Wait, me to dinner. That's what um, Davey said, right? Nobu for dinner. Got shark on my plate. Uh, shark. Yeah. Please don't eat shark. Don't eat shark. Um, Davey I love does. sharks. I did. Yeah. I guess that's a rich thing to do. Uh, Caleb Killian is a guy who's now making, you know, speaking of rich, he's making big league minimum money right now. Yeah. Uh, Must be nice. Um, Yeah. He had a rough second start, but I I think it was a little bit of, of circumstance there. Uh, Look good in this first start. Killian came over in that San Francisco giants deal that, you know, sent Chris Bryant out, brought in Killian, brought in Canario, Killian really took his game to another level and then was great in the Arizona fall league. And then now is, is continued to look good. Another dude that was much needed, right? He's never going to be an ACE. And I don't mean to say that in a negative way, uh, but he's also almost guaranteed to be a big league starter for a a fairly long time because you look across, you look at the grades. And again, I, I encourage if you're able to, if you're driving or whatever, obviously don't, but if you're able to, 
click the link in the description of the podcast and follow along with, with the grades that you can see how we grade out each of the pitches and, and the write-up. I mean, Jack, how does this sound to you? 55 fastball, 55 cutter, 50 curveball, 45 changeup with 50 future and a 60 command. Yeah. That sounds like a guy that I want in my starting rotation. That sounds like a really solid number four, uh, maybe number three when he's really, you know, locating, right? Yeah, I love Killian. I personally love him. And I, I find it really interesting how that trade has morphed over time because at first it was, God damn it, we gave up Chris Bryant. Like uh, end of an era, KB's gone. That's my favorite player. And then you look at what Alexander Canario did at the uh, end of last year, and he hit some like 430 foot homers and everybody's like, Oh, Canario is, is the main piece of the return. Yeah. Yeah. And then going into this year, you're like, wait, Caleb Killian led all of minor league baseball in strikeout to walk rate. He's that yeah. good. He's that guy. And now Killian has made his MLB debut. He is the centerpiece and he might be the biggest win for both sides because KB didn't go back to San Francisco. Like, this is a win of a trade because of Caleb Killian for the Chicago Cubs. And I, I think Killian is great. I saw him pitch in Iowa. Um, I've watched intently his first two MLB starts and I've kept tabs on him uh, in Iowa as well. What I love about Killian is, yeah, he's a pitchability guy, but all the pitches are pretty good. Like you've got yeah. the high grades on his cutter and his curveball. Like the cutter and curveball are actually good pitches. And when you think, yes. oh, you know, four pitch mix guy can throw any of the four at will in any count, any spot. You think, okay, well, the pitches aren't that good. He just locates them well and he mixes well. No, like all the pitches are good. Are, are pretty good. Yeah. It's not plus, but it's it's better. It's not a guy with four average pitches that that spots to your point. No, like he's the, got four above average pitches. When he's on, he can rack up eight, eight, nine, ten Ks. And, and that's 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 the thing. That's the difference. Uh he's not your and that's what kind of puts him up here at number four for us. Because on top of that, I, I like the pitchability side of it too, though, where you know he's got the heavy fastball to get weak contact, but he also will can buzz the four seamer up. Then he has the cutter. He has a bunch of different ways that he can go at you. He's got the curveball that you know can just kind of change your eye level, and then the changeup as well as as a good other look. And with all of that, with good command, I'm a big fan of what we've seen from Caleb Killian. I think he can be a really good piece and a rotation piece for the foreseeable future for the for the Cubs. And they really needed that. Like they yes. needed him as to, to the Jordan Wicks point. Uh, Killian is just another guy that they really, really needed. And the best thing about Killian is starts are never going to get away from him in his career. That's the thing. Like he's never going to walk in a run. He's never going to get blistered for 12 hits and in three innings. The starts will never get away from Caleb Killian because when he needs to buckle down and throw fastballs and cutters at the bottom of the zone and induce ground balls, he can do so. When he needs a big strikeout, he can go to that fastball at the top of the zone, like you said, buzz him by hitters. I mean, like he's got the stuff to get out of jams and not get hit around the ballpark. He also has the command to not have the command get away from him. He can quickly gain it back. And what I love too is, is you know, he seems like the kind of guy that, Okay, I don't have I don't have the two seamer today. I'll go more four seam cutter, or I don't have the four seamer at the top of the zone today. I'm going to go more cutter heavier. Like he's a guy that can kind of adapt, and and that's what I like about Wicks as well. Is Wicks has that ability to just mix in the the, the secondaries, and and it's just it's almost like the you talk about instincts in the field. There's pitchers that just have that that feel, and we we always use pitchability, which is a broad term, but yeah. it really is almost just this feel for yourself. It's kind of knowing yourself and what's working and quickly identifying that 
and, and being able to work off of that, watching some of Killian starts, you don't know how he's going to attack you because it really depends on how he's feeling that day. Yeah. And when so, everything's working for him, that's where you get the eight, nine, 10 K games. Top end comparison, like very, very top end comparison here. But uh, yesterday was the anniversary of Tom Seaver's no hitter with the Reds. And I was hearing from the, uh, hearing from the legend that I work with my partner, Howard Kelman. Um, and you know, the reds were the Indianapolis Indians parent club at the time. Um, and Howard is good friends with the guy that caught Tom Seaver's no hitter for the reds. I'm blanking on his name, but, uh, he, he texts him every year on the anniversary. And he's heard a couple of great stories about that Seaver no hitter. And apparently Tom Seaver didn't have his four seam fastball through the first six innings. So seven, eight, and nine, uh, he gets back to the four seam fastball. And I was like, oh, that's that's an awesome, you know, classic late 70s story. Um, but my thinking was, I've kind of heard those same things echoed by a Verlander and a Scherzer as they work deeper into games, right? Like they can find pitches through games. Caleb yeah. Killian is not Tom Seaver, Justin Verlander, or Max no, Scherzer. Because those guys have the plus version of those pitches. But. Yes, exactly. Killian, what he has an above average, Seaver, Verlander, and Scherzer have Hall of Fame caliber. Yes, pitches. correct. Um, correct. But I, I see a very similar tendency in the, in the ability to try and find pitches as the course of a start goes on. And, and that's why I, I love him. So I'm excited to see him continue and he's going to get a lot of run with the Cubs in what is a very lost season already. Yeah, uh, I just so comped Cubs, him to Tom Seaver. So there we go. Yeah, yeah he's basically Tom Seaver. Uh, no big deal. And another guy, honestly, number three is a guy that I'm sure you could make any comp. And because he's at the complex, no one, no one will yell at you. Like you yeah. could say Christian Hernandez is going to be, you know, Fernando Tatis and Technically speaking, you can't be wrong for a little bit. That's why I hate ranking complex prospects. And I even said that in the write-up. Like, I really I really don't enjoy just saying, oh, this guy is in Dominican Summer League and is hitting 350, and he also got $3 million, so he must be – excuse me, so he must be good. Like, I really don't like doing that. But fortunately, because Christian Hernandez is a Cubs prospect, there was a little bit more video at my disposal to watch with this guy. So I watched – and. Honestly, he's a freak. <laughs> I was pretty floored at how much of a freak this guy is. And I, I literally, you know, I can't, I can't describe enough how much I hate ranking Dominican summer league players. And, and cause everybody overrates them, especially when they get seven figures or more, you know, and yeah, this dude can play. I, I think tools across the board. I was floored at the defensive ability. I was more floored at the video at my disposal, but also floored at the defensive ability I see above average to plus raw power and, and the bat to ball was pretty impressive. Like this dude has a good swing times his moves up. Well, is way ahead of his years. And I can see why Cubs fans are so hyped on Christian Hernandez, uh, but he's far, far, far away. Yeah. So there are a couple of different ways that I can go with this right now uh, because I haven't seen a lick of Christian Hernandez because again, he is at the complex. I know nothing about Christian Hernandez. So I can either admit that or I could pretend that I know a ton and I could give you this deep dive right now. Which one do you want me to do? So, so can you give me the one where you pull up his fan graphs page and through seven games, you can see that he struck out 12 times and say, you know, if he puts if he can get the bat to ball there, you know, he'll be in good shape. But, you know, we, we got to see if the hit tool translates. You can yes. speak in the generalities and go from there. Here's the funny thing is, is he actually at least from what I saw, I mean, I, I can't, I can't attest to swing decisions. I can't pretend. And I love that you said that because that's the one thing that we'll always do here is if you ask me about a dude, it just happened on the red stream we did yesterday on, on our YouTube. 
And someone asked me about a Dominican summer league Reds guy. I think it was Carlos Jorge. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even going to pretend. I have no idea who that is. Um, and, you know, I, th- that's kind of where we're at here uh, with I, like, I know a lot of people may not know a ton about him and I wouldn't expect them to. I had to dig deep and find this video. But what I will say from the video that I've seen and from what I've watched, this is a dude with a very efficient swing who repeats his moves well and just seems ahead of his years. Uh, so that on top of the the high praise, the big money, the athleticism and the defensive prowess, you got to put him at number three. I see a lot of people putting him at number two. I'm not putting him ahead of Pete Crow freaking Armstrong with what he's doing. We'll get into him. But do you have any thoughts on the Dominican Summer League player that you've never seen? Yeah, I do. Um, so I see uh, in seven games, he's got a whopping 41.4% K rate. So that's so got to go cooked. down drastically. But here's what I will say, you know, 50th percentile outcome for Christian Hernandez. He's got like Mookie Betts-esque bat to ball with Pete Alonso type power. Um, and defensively, his floor is probably Ozzie Smith's ceiling. <laughs> that work? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's what we do with the Dominican Summer League guys until they prove us wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you do. You hype them all up. You get all the clicks and you go from there. But Perfect. No, I mean, Hernandez is extremely talented. Uh you know, from the video that I've seen again, I it's limited, but I do like what I've seen. Very excited to see him, you know, in legitimate games and go from there. But until then, I'm not putting him ahead of a dude that is mashing, mashing uh, right now uh, in, in the minor leagues. And, and you know, Pete Crow Armstrong, this guy, I love what he's doing, Jack, because and I know it's not been the best nine game start ever at the high A level after getting promoted. He'll be just fine. He'll get going there. Uh, But Pete Armstrong has been so, so, so good. Season was cut short last year, only played six games where he mashed through six games in low A. Uh, but went down with a shoulder injury was later traded straight up for Javi Baez, which I love to make fun of all the time. Yes. Um, and I was told by Mets fans everywhere. Uh, and I can pull, I, I, I did, I did, I rarely do this, but I did a circle back and I, you know, went back and liked a bunch of replies to my tweet when I said that you're the, such a uh, troll. I, I am. I can be, I know um, that it was, I think I tweeted something along the lines that was like, I can't believe the Mets really traded uh, Pete Crow Armstrong for three months of Javier Baez or whatever. And all these Mets fans are like, he's a fourth outfielder. He's a fourth outfielder. He's garbage. Oh, what is Pete Crow Armstrong? done? So I, I went back and I liked all those tweets, but great for Pete Crow Armstrong to one, be healthy and two, way better than I think anybody thought he would be in the power department. I think that's been a huge standout too. And talking to some of his teammates, they all say that, that he's like, a, he's just got this, I don't give a shit attitude and not in a way that like you're not playing hard, almost in the way that I'm playing balls to the wall and I don't care what happens. I'm leaving it all out on the field. And I love that. And you can see that in his game. Yeah. Just running through his numbers, 47 games between low A and high A. And this is accounting for a rough start through his first nine games in high A 47 games. He's hitting 321. 398 OBP, 536 slugging. So that's a 934 OPS, seven doubles, four triples, nine homers, 31 driven in, 13 for 17 on the bats. And he's a dual threat guy. I mean, that looks a lot like a five tool athlete. And an elite defender. An elite um, defender. You no, know, projects as potentially gold glove caliber in yeah. center. And, and so the fact that there's more impact here than I think a lot of us expected, I think that really anyone expected is the, is the big 
big, big thing to follow because if he's able to hit 15 to 20, even, I mean, you're kind of looking at a guy that can be what Trent Grisham was supposed to be. Uh, that's, is that not what, what you kind of see here with Pete Crow Armstrong is like what we were expecting Trent Grisham to be. Dude, I see better hitter than what Trent Grisham was supposed to be. Well, I guess what was Trent Grisham supposed to be? <laughs> Trent Grisham was supposed to be the best center fielder in baseball defensively, um, and he would hit 270 with 25 homers, right? Yeah, like that's kind of what I'm thinking from, from Pete Crow Armstrong. Maybe not the best defender, but maybe a really not the good best. One. I think Trent Grisham was supposed to be better defensively. Um, but slightly worse offensively. I mean, PCA could probably outperform 270 with 25 homers. In, in, in the batting average department, yeah. I don't think there's more than 25 homers in that tank. You don't think so? I think 20 to 25 is like... He's got two spot. in nine games in high A. <laughs> He's, so you scale that out. That's on pace for what? He's on pace, man. <laughs> He's on pace. Aaron Judge <laughs> no, is on pace to break Roger Maris's record. Correct. No, Everybody's but you on know, pace. I, I, I do. I do think there's more bats to ball there. Uh, obviously we've seen that. And I, I mean, the fact that this guy has come back from an injury after being drafted in 2020 and now is putting up exit below as high as 107 um, has the twitchy athleticism uses the whole field, but to pull side his, his powers above average, I think. And with the defense, with everything you're getting, he should climb quickly. He should be a very high, like he's got the high floor. Almost guaranteed. I think worst case, you got a fourth outfielder here. Yeah. But but I think best case, you've got an almost a several time all star that's going to play elite defense and and hit. Uh, and that's pretty darn fun. Way more upside, I think, than anybody thought going into this year. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, and I think so. And I think way more upside than um, a 900 OPS Javier Baez for two and a half months, three months. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, pro- probably. I want Pete Crow Armstrong to succeed so badly because of everything that I read on social media last year. Yeah, that's the worst. Okay, before we get to Brennan Davis, here's something I we need I, more hate in this sport. Let's get into this conversation. Yes, no, I so love hate in baseball. When your team trades a prospect, I know you don't want to lose the trade, but would you rather a dude's life and career be be like destroyed, meaning that he plays like shit and sucks and, and it goes downhill for him? Just so you can say we won the trade. Like I've seen some like a lot of crazy dudes and people on social media that actively want to see these prospects fail after they trade them because it's like we won the trade. We fleeced you. See, so I like when it goes the other way. I like when the White Sox go and get James Shields, who's already made his money, and Fernando Tatis Jr. becomes who he became. I like when it's a win-win situation for everybody except the White Sox because, again, fans love to hate their favorite team. (laughs) That, Yeah, that, but it's the trade culture is funny to me. It's always, we fleeced them, they fleeced us, blah, blah, blah. Like, just, just root for Pete Crow Armstrong for his sake. Jeez. I mean, I, I get it. You don't want him to be an MVP every year. I mean, like when I watched Christian Yelich with what the Marlins got in return, I wanted to see him succeed. Absolutely. Did it sting a little bit when he won the MVP? Sure. But like, I, I would still rather him play to the best of his ability. Like, get, hey, get over yourself. But you'd root also rather have Lewis Brinston be really good. Exactly. I would have loved to see Brinson be good. And I think a lot of Brewers fans, you know, I think they were okay with it with the way Yelich was. But if Yelich stunk, through the first couple of years, I bet they're hoping that Brinson doesn't pan out. There's a lot of crazy people out there, man. Not saying it to people listening here, but it's the, it's the loud voices on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but a, a guy that I really want to see turn it around, uh, 
And, and right now it seems injury dependent. He, he had a back procedure done as Brennan Davis. And, uh, you know, what a year it was for Brennan. And this is a guy that you've heard me talk about ad nauseum for the last two years. So, you know, I, anyone that listens to this podcast, anyone that's been with me since uh, the lockdown MLB prospects days has heard me say Brennan Davis probably 550 times, maybe more. Uh, but what, what he did last year was hilarious, Jack. He climbed yeah. all three levels, um, just ran the gauntlet. Eight games in high A, waste of his time, goes off in double A, then gets promoted to triple A. And this is my thing. It was only 15 games, but we've talked about how difficult double is yeah. uh, and, and how double and triple are really not that far apart. He actually leveled his game up when he got to triple and was even better. Cut the K rate down, cut, brought the walk rate up in triple. Power was was even up as well. Then he comes to AAA again this year to start the season and really stunk. To me, it seems like that back issue must have been bothering him through the first 22 games. Because how do you go 15 games of raking 268, 397, 536 with a 22% K rate? And then you come back the next year in AAA and it's just the polar opposite. Uh, to me, this seems like a guy that just wasn't right. And it makes sense after he ha- undergoes that back procedure, no timetable on his return yet. He, he seemed tight. He seemed yes. tense. I Quite saw him literally. for a week. Yeah, no, he li- literally, he physically seemed tense. Um, and it looked like he was just gripping the bat tighter than typical. And it looked like he was extending and lunging a little bit more. He, he was not right. I, I got to watch him for six. He played all six against Indy. Uh, earlier this year, those I think were the final six games that he played before undergoing the back surgery. And I mean, like, that's not the Brennan Davis I saw last year. I saw Brennan Davis, the possible Matt Kemp in the not so distant future last year uh, with high end. And I watched him again in double and I watched him again in triple. Um, And when I saw him at the beginning of this year, I mean, he was just not the same Brennan Davis. I think a lot of that is because of injuries. If he comes back, he says he's healthy and he's feeling healthy then it's go time for him. So I, I'm going to give him a break for the first month of the season that we saw this year because obviously he wasn't right, but he probably felt the heat and was like, this is my chance to get up and make my major league debut and try never to go through. back down. Yeah, and try, try, try to push, and push through. through it. Yeah, I, I, I was really interested to get your thoughts there because I remembered you saying that he looked stiff and, you know, Having been able to see him the way you were, you know, for consistent at bat after at bat after at bat for that series, you can kind of see what's up there. And I I just don't see how a guy could fall that flat, you know, after what he did last year. And even when I when you mentioned the the stiffness and whatever prompted me to look into it and, and he just looked his setup was a little different. He just didn't look the same and it just didn't look like he had that trust either. So. We call those 22 games a wash for the most part. You know, I think that would you say that's fair to kind of say, let's take those 22 games with a grain of salt and let's really evaluate him when he's healthy. Cause I really doubt that he injured his back, uh, you know, in the 22nd game there. And yeah. that was the first time he was feeling that. I really doubt it. Well, a, a wash and a grain of salt are different because a wash would be like completely disregarding them. A grain of salt would be this happened. We will ignore it for the most part, but we still have to remember that it happened. So which, which, which is it closer to for you? I'm going to side with grain of salt. I, I think we have to acknowledge that this happened and this was a, a minor step back, but that's all I'm calling it, a minor step back. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't think that he mentally will be able to shake that month because healthy or not, it's frustrating as hell when you're striking out of the clip that he was and, and hitting yeah. under 200. Yeah. 
No, that's that's fair. Uh, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what his timeline is uh, when he does get back and, you know, how how long it takes him to get right, because this is a very athletic player who, you know, really is is one of those guys in the box that uses his whole body, who is very explosive and you got to be right. Uh, so hopefully he comes back and returns soon. But you know, assuming that he's on that same trajectory, which I think we are until he proves otherwise, and it's going to take more than 22 games for him to prove otherwise. Matt Kemp. I mean, this, is, this is a dude that could be Matt Kemp-esque, right? Matt Kemp. Yeah. yeah. I Like 30-30. That's my, probably my favorite comp that I've been able to give out is, is – Matt Kemp, Brennan Davis. Like it's just, it's just uncanny. And well, here's the most important thing. He's 22. Yeah. So he could, he could lose this season, quote unquote, which would suck. It would yeah. suck. And then debut in the big leagues next year, at 22. Yeah. And the one thing that's kind of stood out with Brennan Davis since the beginning of last year is that he can't really hit that changeup. And that was the same thing going into this year as well. So uh, that's the one thing to follow because that's going to really hurt him against lefties. Obviously he's going to get a steady diet of that. And there's righties more and more in the game now that are willing to go right on right change. That's a flaw in his game that he needs to sort out. But other than that, it's pretty hard to poke any other hole in his game. He can catch up to Velo. He hits breaking balls. Well, it's really just the change up. And uh, that's the one thing I want to follow when he is right. Uh, but that's probably what really held him back from a big league debut was the change up. Cause most of these guys in the big leagues have a better feel for it than the minor leagues, as you know. Yes, I haven't seen very many good AAA changeups. So when he's back in Iowa, the reps on that are going to be few and far between. But, you know, that's what spring training's for. That's what, you know, being at the complex for a little bit is for. So uh, he needs to see as many changeups as possible. I don't know how many good changeups he's going to see. But, um, you know, that might be something that that carries its way into Major League Baseball because the best changeups are already at the big league level. That's just how that pitch works. If you have a good changeup, you're going to ride that and you're going to pitch for the Miami Marlins. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or they'll help you find one. Uh, yes. But anybody else you want to talk about in, in this system, you know, we talked about a little bit of honorable mentions out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, there's a few other guys. I mean, Christopher Morrell, if people are wondering where he is, we graduated, graduated. him. Yeah. Give me a hundred, a hundred at bats is enough at the big league level where I just don't want to rank you as a prospect anymore. Respectfully. Uh, you know, Ed Howard has been hurt hurt, 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 hurt. So I think to, to, to give up on Ed Howard would be ridiculous, but also to rank him in the top 10 is difficult for a guy that's played 120 professional games, uh, elite defensive potential, good bat to ball. Uh, but you know, how much impact is there? That's the question. Very excited to see Alexander Viscaino pitch who also came over in that trade with the Yankees, uh, has not pitched yet this year is on the mend from something. I'm not sure what, uh, but anybody else that you're interested in and kind of following, yeah, I saw Vizcaino make a start last year, um, and it was pretty impressive, actually. Vizcaino was a mid-90s guy, um, and, and he's older than I think you would expect uh, him to be. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, a, a couple of arms that I do want to shout out here, Ryan Jensen and Cole Franklin uh, are two guys. Cole Franklin, he is uh, – what level is Cole Franklin at right now? I saw Ryan Jensen throw in high A last year. Um, and then I saw Cole Franklin throw a little bit as well last year. Um, and Jensen's guys, in double Jensen's in double. Yeah. Where's Cole Franklin? Cole Franklin is in high a right now. Okay. I think both those guys are very solid. Yeah. So Jensen's got great stuff. Walks are the issue. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues to hone in on that. A guy that, that has really kind of fallen, uh, is Reginald Preciado. 
And yeah. Preciado had a lot of hype coming in. He came over in the U Darvish deal, switch hitting shortstop, 6'4, 190. Guess what? Really hyped up after he hit really well in 2021 at the complex. He hit 333, 381, 511 at the complex, Jack, which was super exciting because he's 6'4 and a switch hitter. So far in OA, he's striking out 40% of the time and has two home runs and a 67 WRC plus. And this is why we have to tread lightly on the complex guys. And he was a top five prospect by fan graphs coming into the year uh, in the Cubs system. And now he's 16th for them. So it kind of shows you how quick we can just pretend that the, the hype on the Dominican summer league guys never happened. And, and that's kind of what we're seeing uh, some do there. Uh, one other get name to watch. It's a bullpen arm, but will K dudes in bunches. Ben Leeper. I yeah. saw him in the K on the Cape really nasty. Uh, Needs to work on keeping the ball in the yard, susceptible to, to, to the home run ball a little bit. But Ben Leeper, plus fastball, plus slider, could be in a bullpen pretty soon. He is 25, but definitely a name to watch. Bro Caraway, if he can throw it over that white thing, 60 feet, six inches away, would be very gross. Uh, but Bro Caraway has 24 walks in 10 innings. This yeah, year. there we go. That was the same thing 20? last year. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. That's 21.6 walks per nine. Jack, what was it last year? Like 14, 7.71 in double 12.19 in uh high A. Yeah. I saw him in high A last year. What the hell dude. I mean like it, when, when he throws strikes, he is Karen Jack with the spider tag. Like he is, he's high spin fastball and a hammer of a 12, six breaking ball, but he, he can't throw strikes. I mean, like it was, you're better off not swinging against Burl Caraway right now. Yeah, I wouldn't swing. I wouldn't swing. He, he like doesn't. he will allow two earned runs. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. It's actually incredible. A, 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 a guy with good stuff, one last name that I want to mention that kind of went, it was like a viral sensation a little bit by throwing 104 or whatever on Seventh in, Woods. In like the, <laughs> seven, he was kind of a Seventh Woods, Luke Little. You remember oh, seeing yeah. Luke Little, Luke Little videos? I, I probably a bullpen guy, but a lefty who's six foot eight and and throws cheddar. Yeah. He's been working as a starter so far. Very short outings, more of an opener, two to three inning, you know, outings so far in low A. Uh, but he's striking out nearly fourteen per nine. He's walking up almost six per nine. So I mean, that's definitely an issue. But interesting to watch and follow. This is really his first professional season. So only twenty one years old. Not Burl Caraway level walking uh, issues. So interesting to follow there also. Uh, but yeah, this cup system to wrap up, Jack, vastly improved. Uh, obviously, it required trading some of their core players. But as I mentioned in uh, you know part one, it, it is important to note that most of they tried to keep the core together as long as they could. And they lost a lot of trade leverage. They were all rentals once they were trading all these guys for the most part. And they did really well, the Cubs did, on these returns. Two, four, six, and two, four, and six within the top ten were all uh, acquired at the deadline. And you're looking at Wicks, who was a first-round pick last year. Hernandez is, what, 18 years old? Like, this is all new. They had one new. of the best systems in baseball. Then they had one of the worst systems in baseball when everybody graduated. And now they're retooling and they did a really nice job of retooling. So the Cubs are going to suck. They're going to be so bad this year, <laughs> but in 2023, they're going to be a little bit better. And then in 2024, yeah. they're going to get fun. And in 2025, they might even be good. 
Whoa. You hear that? Crazy concept. You hear that, Cubs fans? They might be good. Crazy concept. But Stroh shows probably opting in. So Oof. is what it is there. Uh, <laughs> Nelson Velasquez, also uh, a name that I'm, I'm interested to see if he can cut the swing and miss. He's so strong. Even to the 30%. Just strike out 30% of the time you're in business. 36, so not going to fly. But yeah. super strong and a sneaky good athlete. That'll do it for the Cubs episode here. Reminder, if, if you're looking for the full part one, listen to the audio version of the call-up available on any area where you get your podcast. If you could leave a rating, please do so. Help us grow the show. We'd really appreciate it. Also, subscribe on YouTube uh, if you want to keep up for all of our future prospect interviews and conversation. Matt Mervis interview, if you're new, uh, is as about a 10 episodes back. Check that out. Following up with him this weekend, so it should be fun. I'm going to go see the Tennessee Smokies this weekend. Jack, uh, in, in a couple hours, I'm getting on a flight. I have to overshoot Pensacola to Atlanta and then fly back into Florida to get to Pensacola. Makes a lot of sense. I'm uh, very much looking forward to that to that uh, trip. But yeah, we excited drove, to see uh, the Smokies. Yeah, hundred percent. We drove uh, two hours to instead fly out of uh, fly out of Tallahassee. Um, instead of Pensacola. So Pensacola, for some reason, it, it's almost like Atlantis. It's just impossible to get there. Impossible to get there. Uh, and it's just as majestic. I, I loved it so much. I had to go back. So uh, looking forward to that. I'll have some reports and some write-ups uh, from, from that uh, trip. Yeah. I don't think I'll catch Yuri Perez again, uh, but there's a chance I might get him on Sunday. I'm not sure. We'll have to check in then, but it should be fun. Uh, very excited to see this this Smokies lineup and, and excited to see more of the same guys uh, with the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. But, Jack, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I just went on the research portal and I'm trying to figure out whether you will see uh, Yuri Perez. And the answer is no. Of course. Of course it is. Damn it. No Yuri Perez, but maybe for another time. Thank you for listening as always. And we'll talk prospects with you on Monday.